if you're not out there actively prospecting, you're not actively out there listening to what's currently going on in the marketplace, and you become jaded by just hearing from your own accounts, you've always got to be willing to be prospecting. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we have Mark Hunter with us, and we're going to be talking about high-profit prospecting strategies. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, Mark. Hey, thank you for having me on today. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one too. Um, So just by way of introduction, Mark Hunter, he's also known as the sales hunter. He is recognized as one of the top 50 most influential sales and marketing leaders in the world. He's the author of two best-selling books, High Profit Prospecting and High Profit Selling, Win the Sale Without Compromising on Price. Mark has over 30 years of sales experience and conducted thousands of training programs and keynotes in sales. As a sales consultant, speaker, and trainer, he's helped companies identify better prospects, close more sales, and profitably build more long-term customer relationships. So really excited for this. Uh, Mark, to jump right into it, what specific strategies do outside sales people need to apply to find the best leads and drive revenue? Well, yeah, you, you know what's interesting is the outside sales business operates under a completely different set, set of rules. And one of the things that I've found is, A, I can find all kinds of information, but at the end of the day, I've just got to get in and make that call, make that call, show up and walk in the door. But he, here's one of the key things that I've always found. You know, the internet's a pretty good tool. It's going to stick around. I think it's going to make it. <laughs> it's got legs, it appears. It's got legs. I think it's got legs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is, is simply spend 30 seconds Googling a company, Googling an address, whatever. You're going to come up with at least some pieces of information. And one of the things that I tell sales, outside salespeople in particular to do is to be really focusing your knowledge by industry. And one of the things I tell outside people is you got in your car, keep a notebook right there and keep a tab for each industry. And as you learn insights about an industry, you jot that down. So what does this do? This allows you to pull up to that place that you're going to walk in. You know, this may be a a warehouse. This may be a factory. maybe an office. Who knows what it is? But literally in 30 seconds, you can become pretty well versed because it's your language. It's your information that you've written down in this notebook over the previous six months, year, whatever. It's not hard. It really comes down to being confident to be able to walk in. And the reason you're confident is because you know you can help them achieve some level of success. That's what you're you're there to help them with. So so can you give a specific specific example and walk us through the prospecting process from research to initial contact? Yeah, yeah. In my own business, I still do a lot of outside calling. Now, when I mean outside calling, I'll start off with a a phone, but I may be in a particular city. I, I travel about 250 days a year globally. And there may be some companies that I want to target. So all I do is I simply am going to spend a few minutes out there on the internet and boom, I get an address. And if it's close by to where I'm going to be, I don't hesitate to stop in. I literally stop in and make, it's not, again, it's just having enough confidence to be able to walk in and have that conversation. Now, some people will say, oh, Mark, you got to start off with a phone call. Yeah, but you know what I found? If I start off with a phone call, I'm interrupting them. And sometimes I don't even have the phone number. 
And if I walk in, I'm interrupting them. So why shouldn't I interrupt them with the best strategy of all by walking in face to face? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, obviously, because of what I do, a lot of people are trying to sell me things all the time. And it's basically impossible to call me. Like my team won't let you get on the phone with me ever. But I've had people stop by and, you know, the person that runs the front desk will walk right over to my desk and be like, hey, someone's here from this company. They'd like to talk to you. And like, I always go talk to them for at least a few minutes. Right. I'm like, oh, I mean, if they came all this way, they must feel they must feel like there's a really good reason to talk to me. I should probably go talk to them. Like it's it it just does work. I mean, I I, I have never been like, no, I'm not going to walk out and talk to that person. And you know what that is? That is the original form of social selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're showing up. I mean, this is what's so people sit there and say, oh, I can't do. What do you mean you can't do this? I've had more impromptu conversations because again, like you said this person showed up here. You're going to show them 60 seconds of respect. Mm -hmm. Now they got to earn their way after that. I mean, they they got to earn their way after the first 20 seconds. It's amazing what happens. And, and, and I, in my own business and as I work with companies, you know, it's, it's the same strategy. It's amazing how you just show up and also don't, don't think. And again, you know, the people listening to this, are certainly game on, on on how to do it. You don't always walk through the front door. <laughs> you know, you go through you go through the employee entrance. You go through the loading dock. You go through any number of other entrances. Sure. Um, I mean, I've I have been out on many many with many many salespeople where where we're dealing with non office type calls we're making, and mm-hmm. you simply just wander in. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Confidence wins the game. Yeah, it's a great thought. What what role do you think? Uh, prospecting plays in the overall sales cycle and how much should, how much time should outside salespeople really be investing in it in their job? More than they are currently. Let's put it that way. Now let's get specific with this. First of all, you're not going to get anything to come out of the bottom of your pipeline in terms of closed deals, unless you put something in at the top. So gee, there's a, there's a direct correlation when people say, gee, I don't have enough leads to close. I simply ask them, well, how much time did you spend prospecting? So I'll say that you really got to be spending at least 20, 25% of your time prospecting. Now, this rubs some veteran salespeople the wrong way. Veteran salespeople who have this, you know, I've got these accounts, I've got these great accounts. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, if you're not out there actively prospecting, you're not actively out there listening to what's currently going on in the marketplace, and you become jaded by just hearing from your own accounts, you've always got to be willing to be prospecting. I say 20% minimum, and if I'm a new person, I'm going to be probably doing 50 to 75% of my time prospecting. And the way you wow. do, well, yeah, but you think That's, about it, because what else do they have to do? Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Work, work bad leads, work, work the leads that didn't close before. Like, well, yeah. no, the, the, there's something interesting, working bad leads. You know, the best leads you'll ever get are the ones you create yourself. Whoa. Yeah. The wheels on the marketing bus are going to run over something right here. But I'll tell you what, marketing can generate a lot of bad leads. Whoa, did he just, yeah, he just said that. Because <laughs> many times what happens is marketing can be in this lead generation tool. And it's a numbers game for them. Mm-hmm. And I'll argue this, salespeople will come up with their best leads. Because they know what it takes to get a great lead. Because they know what a great customer looks like. Yeah, this is very true. So running, you know, my, my perspective from running a company is always you have to be very careful about incentivizing groups in ways that are incongruent. And really common thing that I've seen that I've, I've, I've personally pretty carefully avoided. But you can, because of my background in sales, I think made me sensitive to this. But most marketing teams are incentivized on number of leads. 
And there's often some kind of quality or, or some kind of quality assurance in there to catch like, oh, it's not just all junk, but like they're often still being incentivized on number of leads ultimately. And, and the sales team is being incentivized on revenue or how many of those leads that I close and for what size. So there's always this attention right there that you do have to be really careful because this is, I guess, a message for, for sales leaders to, to bring this message up the chain. But, you know, the salespeople always tend to be very focused on just generating, spending their time generating the best leads, whereas marketing can generate a bunch of things that aren't the right things and therefore just take up the sales team's time. Okay. And with that, we got to have that old stupid joke. Why does marketing exist? So salespeople have someone to blame when they don't make their number. Okay, cool. yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, why do marketing have salespeople? So they have someone to blame when they don't, you know, make their plan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's key to really keep these two pieces, these two parts of the organization in sync. And whether you have a CRO, a chief revenue officer, who's, who's managing both sides of the business, that business, the, the revenue side of the business, the marketing and the sales, or the CEO needs to be pretty actively involved in, in both those sides. And, and really, because if you don't, if you, if you, it's very easy for a firewall to, to, to come in between them. Yeah, it is. And, and, and that's why you also have to really uh, qualify quickly. You may have this lead, but I want to qualify it quickly. I mean, is it, is it a lead or is it a suspect or is it a prospect? And you have to earn your way to be a prospect. Mm -hmm. And salespeople are so afraid to ask the tough questions early on. And as a result, they come up with a sales pipeline. It looks more like a sewer pipe. Um, it ain't going to work too good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the biggest prospecting myths? <laughs> keeping, keeping leads around after they're, hey, a dead horse is a dead horse. That, that's a blinding flash of the obvious. Mm -hmm. But if, 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 this lead, if this lead has not provided you, with some sort of level of information that warrants that they are going to develop a degree of confidence and trust in you, you need to throw them out. Along with conf confidence and trust is some sort of an indication as to what's their timeline for making a decision. If they don't have that, you got it. So myth number one is holding on to, to prospects that are nothing but names. Yeah. That's they myth number one. That's a, that's a huge one. And I think it's really important to send the message to the sales team that, hey, leads come from the marketing team to you, but there's another flow of things that are unqualified, but we want to keep drip emailing them. It's not, it's not worthy of staying in a salesperson's hand, but you get the ability to send the leads back to marketing for you know, let, let, them, let them stew and sit in a drip marketing campaign for, for three years. They were interested enough, but I know we thought it should be past the sales, but it's, I, 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 di I disqualified it. Now I'm, I'm passing it back to you to, right. to stew on uh, in the email drip campaign for two years. It's three words that salespeople have to keep in mind. Return to sender. Yeah. Return to sender. Yeah. Came and, over to you. They're not going anywhere. Send them back to marketing. Keep them in the drip campaign. That's great. Mm -hmm. But this is the other thing. Salespeople never realize what is their most valuable asset when they're prospecting. It's their own time. It's their own time. So what happens is they wind up churning their way through things, which then leads to this third myth. Well, if I just start prospecting, something's bound to happen. No. Don't start what you can't finish. And I remind every salesperson, look at that bottle of shampoo that's in your shower every morning. There are two key words on there. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. You're going to probably have to follow up with those prospects really half a dozen times, maybe even more. 
to get them to move to become a customer. And the rinse part is you never bring to them the same message. Every time you're messaging them, regardless of how you're messaging them, you must be bringing new value to them. Yeah, and this is actually something that we we were just in a meeting with our marketing team discussing was, you know, in our in our drip email campaigns, bringing a message about you know what we do for the for the rep, the routing, and the the uh, the lead generation, the organizing their territory, and then in a different if we do a second email to someone changing the messaging to talking about what we do kind of what the company benefits because we don't really know the perspective of the person that we're if we're doing like a cold email we don't know if they're really thinking about it from the rep's perspective or the company's perspective so if it's the rep it's saving you time helping you attain quota those are the values if it's the company we're focused on things like well you know we make it easy for the the data to be collected from the field and end up in the crm because you know we're giving them a tool that works in their phone to do this and your reps are going to sell more and it's and it's totally different messaging but it and that's it's key to have that rinse cycle like you're describing i like that the shampoo that's a sticky concept so tell me well are there, are there any other prospecting myths well I, I think one of the other big big myths that that people have is they make up this excuse that they don't have time to prospect because they got to take care of all their accounts So as a result, prospecting never gets scheduled in. You have got to schedule prospecting into the calendar. And this is where sales managers listening to this, you are guilty as charged because sales managers, you are quick to tell your salespeople, hey, can you follow up with this account? Hey, can you follow up with this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And we task our salespeople with so much routine activity with existing business that they never get around to prospecting. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to do as sales managers is be saying, hey, how many calls are you making today? How many, how many are, you You know, challenge them every day as to what they're doing from a prospecting standpoint. And when they have prospecting time blocked on their calendar, respect them for it. Yeah. I think that's such an important message. Have 90 minutes, brick it off for prospecting and, and, and have it locked off and treat that time as with, with care and respect. Because it's, it's so easy to, to just set it aside. It's a, a common issue, especially if sales reps are also dealing and managing with their existing customers. I, I love if you can pass off you know, the relationship from a salesperson to more of an account manager. If a person's a hunter, you want them to hunt and close the deal and then have the ability to pass it off. Because you can manage way more relationships if, you're, if you don't have to hunt. People are great hunters or they're great managers of the relationship and they can focus on the upsells and keeping the business going. And, but to ask one person to do both, I think you often end up, you end up overburdening that hunter so that they can't, they can't do things like prospecting. They don't have the time to block off the 90 minutes because mm-hmm. existing customers can suck you dry, right? You, you right, need, right. You know, and it can keep you- And you, and you are talking my language because my last name is Hunter. So yeah. <laughs> you, know, you are talking my language. So anyway, hey, two, two quick things on, on managing your calendar. Tomorrow begins today. You never end today without knowing exactly who you're going to be prospecting. Now, two ways you're looking at this. What is your prospecting window? In other words, okay, so these are the, these are, this is the time of day when I'm going to be doing prospecting. But you also set yourself up to prospect during what I call the fives the five. This is the five minutes. You know, you may be going to the Western part of town or you may be going over to this area and you got a two o'clock appointment and it gets done and you got 20 minutes to the next one. So you got five minutes, you know, we'll say you got five minutes. Who, who can I call? Who can I stop by? What can I do during those fives? So what I always say is, is, is get yourself set up with two or three bonus phone calls you can make. Maybe a bonus stop you can make. Maybe it's that, le- you know, two doors left, two door right, you know, thing that a lot of people do when they're out 
basically knocking on doors, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But use those little pockets of time because otherwise what happens is you wind up, ah, I got time to run to Starbucks, you know, or I got time to go do this or I got time, you know, and you wind up, oh, let, let me check ESPN.com. Let, let me see what's going on. And you wind up instead of just being able to make a couple more calls. Mm-hmm. Sales is not difficult when you're focused and you're focused when you believe in the outcome that you can help people with. Because then you feel it's your mission. You got to get in touch with people. You have to get in touch with people. It's your obligation because you know you can help them. Yeah, you know, it, this reminds me of a, a, a trick I always used when I was in outside sales. I, ha, I, would, I had a, uh, a list that I would keep. Um, and, you know, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm dating myself, but there was a pen and paper involved. But it was, I had a list of people that I knew I needed to call. And I would just keep adding to that list. And then when I was driving from customer to customer or when I was driving to, you know, back, you know, from the airport to the, to, to a meeting, whatever, whenever I had that car time, windshield time, I would just whip out that list and plug away in the BlackBerry. And, and, and this back in the day when BlackBerry was still a thing. And, and, I, and I would just sit there and call people and, you know, from the car, I just work my way through that list. And I, and I'd circle the ones that I not scratch off, I guess the ones that I, uh, that I needed to circle back to. And then I, the next time I would come back and do them again. And it was a way of just, not making that wasted time, but capturing that those 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there. Yeah. Because even, otherwise, you know, otherwise the windshield will talk back to you. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hey, my first outside territory, you're going to have to Google this on a map, all of Eastern Oregon, all of Eastern Oregon. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, there, that's some flat country. That is, <laughs> yeah. I lived in Eugene, Oregon and I would drive over to bend. And from there it was just, yep. yeah. So believe me, I had a the windshield and I had a lot of good conversations. Yeah, a lot, lot of time in, uh, in Salem. <laughs> well, so let's talk about emailing for a second. So we talked about dropping by, we've talked about phone calls. How should outside salespeople approach cold emailing? What are some do's and don'ts? What tips do you have? Yeah, let's just run. I mean, we could spend five days just on this. Let's just run through a couple things. Remember, you're probably writing that prospecting email on your laptop or your desktop, and it looks great. But you know what? Chances are the person's receiving it, looking at it on a smart device, and it looks pretty dumb. Here's a rule of thumb. One swipe. If they can't read that email in one swipe, they're going to delete it. Now, think about this. We delete emails very fast on our phones. You know, we, we look, because all we're seeing is we're seeing maybe the first 30 or 40 characters of the subject line, and maybe the first 150 characters of the content. So, if you sit there and waste it, hi, my name is Mark Hunter. I'd like to introduce my, oh, Delete. Mm-hmm. So that subject line and that first sentence has got to be something that grabs that person quickly. And, good, and, how, and, and how do you do that? What's what grabs? Well, it, it's going to be something relevant to their industry, something going on in their industry. What's a question? What's a piece of information? What's something in their industry? What I'm going to do is a good prospecting email, four to six sentences, one to two sentences per paragraph. I'm going to double space each paragraph and, and say, well, did you, that takes it. Yeah, but it makes it clean. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pose the question in the first one, in the first paragraph. Second one is I'm going to say, I'm Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. Hey, boom, boom. And third one is going to be, Ross, love to hear from you. Give me a call at, don't say email me back. They can always email you. But really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get a phone call. Yeah. Boom. And don't go putting in attachments. Don't go putting in that sort of stuff. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide them so much information that they're going to disqualify me. In other words, 
I never want to provide you with enough information for you to make a decision without talking to me. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. Right. Well, and you are the sales hunter, so. Hey, you know what? I was born with this last name, so I got to run with it, right? <laughs> what, are, it what, are the chan well. what are the chances that uh, one of the top salespeople, I mean, maybe, maybe there's something to a name. I mean, one of the top sales thought leaders, last name is Hunter. What, what, what are the chances? I mean, hey, I, I, but you know what? If, if, if I had time, I could tell this story. I was not destined for sales. That was not my career. <laughs> I only got into sales, and I won't tell the story. I'm just, I'm just going to bait you because of the Seattle Police Department. Oh, no, that's. I'm going to well, leave we, it at that. Oh, wow. Well, I'm Googling <laughs> that one. So which, uh, which prospecting pitfalls should outside salespeople absolutely avoid? Well, avoid is just simply being the hesitation of, oh, I can't call this. Oh, I need to get more information. Just pick up the phone, make the call or walk in the door. That, that is the only reason somebody should not do that is if, say, you work for Boeing and you're selling Boeing 787s, you know, that's what, $180 million. Away. Okay, right. I might do a little bit of research before I walk in the door. Right. Well, but most, I don't most, think, uh, I don't, salespeople yeah. are not doing that. <laughs> right, right, right. So in other words, in, you know, and, and there's only 20 or 50 buyers in the world that could buy a 787, but that's right. not, you know, just walk in the door. Sales is about a conversation. Sales is about creating trust and confidence. And I only get that. It's like you and I, we're having this conversation. We can see each other. And what are we doing? We're creating a level of trust. We're creating a level of confidence. That's what has to come through in prospecting. When you cross that bridge, then you really get to that point where you can service that customer. How have you seen prospecting change over the past few years? And what do you think will happen in the next five years? Well, two things. One, the customer has all the information. Okay. I mean, you know, again, you can go out and Google and learn anything you want. So what does this mean? What's changed is the fact that I've got to be faster at being able to engage you in a subject that you haven't thought of, a question you haven't thought of, something you haven't thought of, because you've got all this basic core information here that you've learned, learned on the internet. You know, all these studies say that the, you know, the, the customer doesn't enter into the buying process until they're 60. And I, I, don't, I have no idea what, whether or not I can believe any of those. But what I'm saying is that the customer's knowledge. So what I've got to do is I've got to be able to come at you engage you quickly. And I like to engage you with questions. Now, one of the key pieces is the fact that you don't have time. Again, that's change. So what do I do? I have to create micro commitments, micro commitments. Here's two of the easiest ways to create micro commitments. I have a phone call with you. I stop in, you know, whatever. I'm interrupting your day. I may get two minutes with you. The micro commitment might be simply, hey, let's schedule a time next Tuesday, 10 a.m. for us to meet, okay? That's a micro-commitment. Or the micro-commitment might be this. You share with me a piece of information. Yeah, that's great. And then what I do is I'm going to email you back with that, with an email. I'm, and I'm going to put in the first line of the email exactly what you shared with me. That was very interesting. Could you share with me some more information? Now, what have you suddenly done? You go, whoa, this is not a normal salesperson. That salesperson listened to me. That salesperson valued what I had to say and is, is interested in hearing more. You know, it, it's, it's like, wow. And, and so what am I doing is I'm inviting now, micro-commitment, I'm getting them to respond back to me by way of email. What am I doing? I'm now getting this dialogue. Maybe they don't respond by way of an email. I can do the same thing with a voicemail. And minimally, the next time I'm talking to you, whether it be in person or on the phone, see, last time we were together, you mentioned this. And they go, wow, what are you doing? you're creating a level of confidence. 
Mm-hmm. Confidence. Here's a simple thing salespeople need to keep in mind. Low trust equals low price. If you want to maximize price, you got to create a higher level of trust. And you do that through the prospecting process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, having trust, if they trust you, there's less risk perceived. And so the value is higher. And the dialogue is so much richer. So much richer. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Well, let's do a one minute role play where we prospect. Let's do a face to face and I'll be a uh, bar manager. I'm the person that makes decisions on what kegs of beer and bottles of beer types that I carry in my bar and you be be a field salesperson. Hey, I love it. I love it. Hey, Steve, how's your traffic holding up on the weekends? Traffic is good on Friday nights. We're, we're a little light Saturday morning, obviously. Uh, we try to get some games sometimes and get people in for those to watch. And, and then uh, Saturday evenings, we don't do great until after dinner. Now, are you seeing people's tastes change over the course of the day? I mean, are people ordering one type of beer during the game late at night or are they ordering a different type of beer? Yeah, you know, I uh, I think the the Saturday morning crowd when they order beers it tends to be more uh, I guess I would say light domestics. So uh, you know the kind of the classics, the Michelobes, the Budweisers, uh, and a lot of light beers served. Whereas in the evening, I, I tend to see more of a shift to the micro brews and more I guess what I would call higher end and uh, higher alcohol content and more IPAs, more more micro brews, things like that. Yeah, see, so what that does is it is it really says that your customer is changing. And unless you can satisfy the needs of the customer throughout the day, throughout the week, they're not going to be coming back in. So what's your criteria now for determining what, what types of beer to put on tap? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it, I wouldn't say it's super scientific. I, it's what I tend to, I'll do a taste test. And if I, th- if I like it and think it'll, it'll play well um, and sell well, then I'll get a few kegs of that and see how it performs, see how people respond to it. And then, then I'll buy more or less of uh, inventory and, and coverage based on that. I always love it when people like you say, I'm, I'm going to taste it and whether or not I like it. I, you truly are a great bartender. I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> what, what we've got is, in fact, here, let's go ahead and let's get some samples in here for you. So you can actually try. Okay. So anyway, but that's exactly how I do it. I'm not talking about the product initially. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about your business. I'm talking about all those other pieces. What am I doing? Trying to get you to realize that I care about your business. Yeah. And now we're already, now, now we're pretty far down the path, right? And I'm, I'm interested in this conversation as a buyer. That was, that was really powerful. I think that was really helpful for our, uh, for the folks to hear out there. Well, now I'd like to do what I call sales in 60 seconds. So what that means is I'll ask you a a series of of questions and, and the goal is to answer them under 60 seconds. So, uh, Let's go. first one, what is your best tip for getting past a gatekeeper? Best tip is not treating them as a gatekeeper, but treat them as a door opener. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to absolutely respect them for who they are. And I'm going to ask them what's happening in the company that they see. What do they see happening in the company that they like? And then go from there. You establish a relationship with them. They'll open the door for you. And, and what's the question that you would ask to do that? If I, let's just say you were trying to speak with uh, that same restaurant, uh, the, bar, the bar manager, and when you call, you get the, uh, the person that uh, works the front desk or the greeter of the restaurant. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to ask him, how has business been over the last couple of weeks? Or, hey, how did you do last week with those 90 degree temperatures? I'm going to come right out of the shoot and ask them a question like that. Okay. 
see that, wait a minute, I must know something about the industry. Interesting. Great. Um, do you have an app or a tool that you use daily and couldn't live without? The, the app or the tool is really a cup of coffee uh, with a lot of caffeine. That's, that's, that's my number one app. Uh, my second app is really uh, Evernote. I, okay. use Ever, I use Evernote for everything. Excellent. Excellent. It just doesn't serve me coffee. That's right. Well, we, we, uh, we, we make cold brew at Badger about 10 gallons at a time for, uh, in the office. <laughs> We're well caffeinated. <laughs> I, I am liking it. The only problem is it's cold brew. I'm just not a cold brew. I, I like, in fact, it's funny. In about 20 minutes when we get done here, I will be sitting in a Starbucks having a grande coffee. And that'll be the second time I've been in a Starbucks today. Love that. Uh, yeah, I'm a big coffee drinker. I've been putting a spoonful of vanilla ice cream in my cold brew. It's uh, so we're buying ice cream in the office now and, and adding adding just just a little spoonful. So it's it's a little. It's not. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to go so far to recommend that to everyone, but it's it's amazing. <laughs> Hashtag disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's wrong what we're doing. But uh, so. What are the most important skills that outside sales leaders need to be successful today? The most successful is really having a passion to help people. The definition of a great salesperson is someone who helps others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. If you truly have a level of passion in helping people and care about people, what does this mean? In today's world, that means trust and authenticity. More than ever, in fact, really, let's kind of take it a little step further than that, not just trust and authenticity, authenticity and transparency. Because if people don't see you as being authentic and transparent, they're never going to trust you. Yeah, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. What's the best sales or business advice that you've ever received? Keep going. Don't stop. Tenacity. One of the biggest things is that people give up. Life is not a reset button. I really hate to tell you that. It's not a reset button. And you can't, I mean, this morning I got rejected on a deal that I would love to have had, but you know what? Next, move on. Yeah. Okay. Which sales resource do you recommend for outside sales reps to keep learning and sharpening their skills? I think having two or three peers that you can be continually talking to. I have a peer group. It's really kind of a mastermind group of three other peers. And in fact, just in the last half hour, I got a, I got a text, I got a text from one of them but we're continually challenging each other. Sales is not a solo activity. Sales is a team sport. Yeah. Who's on your team? So true. What's your number one piece of advice on qualifying leads? I am listening for a piece of proprietary information. You will not share with me a piece of proprietary information. What's the definition? That's something that's not known publicly. You're not going to share that with me unless you have a level of trust and confidence with me. Interesting. So when you, when you now share that with me, boom, I know that there's potential here. What a cool way to look at it. Um, so as a final takeaway, what should the field salespeople today listening today do as a first step to implement your prospecting strategies and drive sales results? Yeah. The, the first step is take a piece of paper or take Evernotes or take whatever and write down all of the outcomes that you've helped your customers achieve. This is your motivational go-to list. When you take a piece of paper and you write down all, all of those outcomes that you've helped people. And you know what? You look at that list and you go, this is why I make the calls I do. This is why I stop by and see these people. This is why I'm aggressive out there in the field because look at this list. It's an unbelievable list of things that I've done to be able to help people, help other companies. You want to take it a step further? You take that list and you say, what's the value to that company? Not the cost, the value. If you're able to sell something to, you know, for instance, this bar owner, 
you, you know, you, you just didn't sell in your beer, but what you were able to do is sell in your beer and sell in a whole flight of promotions and everything else that enabled their business to go up by 20%. That's huge. You helped him save his bar from failing, we'll say, or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Awesome. Well, I'm going to attempt to summarize all, all the things that we've said here. This is, uh, we, we've covered a lot of territory and prospecting is clearly one of the most important pieces of being a successful salesperson. The first thing we talked about, um, we talked about confidence, winning the game and prospect. You need to have the confidence to just walk in and talk to a prospect face to face. This is much more effective than calling or emailing and you'll be much more likely to get a hold of the right person right away. Generally, you should spend at least 20 to 25% of your time prospecting. And remember, the best leads are the ones that you generate yourself. As a salesperson, you have a better understanding about what a good customer looks like than the marketing team. It's important to qualify quickly and identify if they're a lead, a suspect, or a prospect. Use qualification to not waste your time. Also, don't hold on to prospects that have nothing but names and are simply not qualified. You have to follow up many times with the prospect, and it's crucial to always provide new value to them with each interaction. Make sure you consciously schedule time for prospecting into your calendar so you don't have any excuses. I love the 90-minute just block of time on the calendar that nothing else can touch. One trick is to get yourself set up with a few bonus calls or stops that you can contact or visit when you have some time in between meetings. When it comes to cold calling, make it short and precise so the prospect can read it quickly and see the value. Or cold, I'm sorry, when it comes to cold emailing, make it short and precise so that it can be quickly read the, uh, the one swipe rule. Make sure the subject line and the first sentence capture their attention Write short paragraphs to make your email look clean and easy to read on a mobile device. And at the end, make sure to ask them to give you a call back and not just email. They know they can email you, they can just hit reply, but your real goal is to get them to talk to you and engage. Finally, don't attach any files to your initial email or you risk, uh, you know, one, you risk spam filters, but you also, you, you also risk them disqualifying themselves um, without talking to you. Sales is about creating trust and confidence. And that has to come through when prospecting. Salespeople need to be faster today in getting prospects engaged because prospects are more knowledgeable than they used to be. You need to create micro-commitments such as a meeting or getting the prospect to share more information with you. That way you can get a conversation going and make it much more valuable for the prospect. Focus the initial conversation on the prospect's business and don't make it about your product. Authenticity and transparency are key to success in sales. You also need to have a passion about helping people. As a first step to getting started and implementing these prospecting strategies, write down all the outcomes you helped your customers achieve and what impact it made for their business. And this is your motivation to be out there and make those calls and visits. Sounds like you read the book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, uh... (laughs) I love it. You, I mean, you put out one of the most influential pieces in the last, what, 15 years in sales? So, yeah, I think everybody read your book. Well, hey, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm flattered that you would say that. Thank you. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm just merely giving back. After the Seattle Police Department put me into this meaningful career. 
we we definitely have to get a drink sometime. I, I want to hear this. I do. This is, it, so, it, okay, okay. I'll tell you the sixty second. I, okay. I was in college. I was getting a degree in marketing. I was going to go into advertising. Last semester, my senior year of college, I got four speeding tickets in six weeks. <laughs> six months later, I get this notice in the mail. I can no longer afford car insurance, so mm -hmm. I had to get a job that supplied me with a company car. That's how I wound up in sales. There it is. There it is. All right. Well, that's that. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing the little twists and turns life takes us on. So tell me, Mark, where can listeners read more about your work and where can they reach out to you here? Yeah. The Seattle Police Department blotter. No, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> the website is thesaleshunter.com. That's the best place to go, thesaleshunter.com. And of course, the current book, High Profit Prospecting. I think it's a great book. And I'm, I'm all over this social media world, but hey, you know what? Just reach out. Go to the website. Phone number's right there. Email's right there. Let's talk. Fantastic. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Outside Sales Talk. If you have any feedback or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us at feedback at outsidesalestalk.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe to it and leave us a review. It really helps us spread the word and get more outside salespeople like you to find out about this. And thanks again, Mark, for, for being on the show. And I'll talk to you soon. Great selling. Great selling.